Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Larry Kay, and I'm a recovered compulsive reader. Today is Friday, September 13th, 2019, and today we're reading from the big book, and we are currently on page 54, the uh, second paragraph. It reads, Imagine Life Without Faith, and we're going to read the one paragraph only. So today's readers, we have Tenzin P. on the 12 steps, Tanya G. on the 12 traditions, and the readers of the text are Hoodie R., Susan H., and Liz V. Let me give you the share ID for yesterday, Thursday, September 12th. The 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting is 13,392. That's 13392. And for the 10 a.m. meeting, 13,394. 13394. We have um, also the newcomer greeters, Amy K., and we got Jen A. Uh, as the host for the second hour. The OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Uh, let's see, our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states that each group has but one primary purpose, and that is to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. So I'll now ask Tenzin P. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Tenzin. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, everyone. Um, here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 
and 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you very much. Wishing everyone a blessed day. Thanks, Tenzin. Appreciate that. Okay, let me ask uh, Tanya G to read the 12 traditions. Tanya? This is Tanya G, um, compulsive overeater from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. These are the 12 traditions. One, our, um, I'm sorry, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon our OA unity. Two, for our great purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as, as he, as he may express himself in our group conscious. Our um, leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse finance or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest mo- problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service leaders may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into a public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for allowing me to serve. Thank you, Tanya. Appreciate that. Okay, here's how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then we stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature that we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsible readers um, only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing a topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. And of course, we're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute your phone. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. 
So today we resume our study of the big book. We are currently on page 54, the second paragraph. It reads, Imagine Life Without Faith, and Hoodie's going to read one paragraph only. So, Hoodie, are you there? Thank you so much, Larry. This is Hoodie. I'm recovered compulsive over in Israel. Imagine life without faith, where nothing left but pure reason. It wouldn't be life. But we believed in life. Of course we did. We could not prove life in the sense that you can prove a straight line is the shortest distance between two points. Yet, there it was. Could we still say the whole thing was nothing but a mass of electrons created out of nothing, meaning nothing, whirling onto a destiny of nothingness? Of course we couldn't. The electrons themselves seemed more intelligent than that, at least so the chemist said. And, wow, imagine life without faith. Um, you know, growing up the way I did in, in the life, yes, um, and, and not, I believed, I had a belief that there was um, a high, that there was something higher, a higher power greater than me. I grew up in a in a in a in a in a religious family, and still, you know, with my reasoning, and my reasoning tore me down to, to shreds and pieces. I was dying inside, and there's nothing worse than dying inside when I'm still alive. And I had no personal relationships. I couldn't. Um, I couldn't control my emotional natures. I was a prey of misery and depression. I depended on other people. And I rationalized. I rationalized all the time. And I had to let go of all those old ideas and attitudes in life that I thought I knew that I thought I knew something. I had to let go of my reality. I had to let go of what I thought I knew and accept that there was someone greater than me, that something was greater than me that was working. Something with all of you was working. And trust and put my faith that was sure better than where I was. I was depressed. I was morbid. I would, I would be self-seeking. I was manipulative. I was living a lie. And, um, you know, yes, my life, my own reasoning led me to these rooms. On my hands and knees, could I not just let go and say, I don't know, something that you're doing is working. You have something that I want, that I wish I would have, a life better than anything I could have imagined. Let go of all that resistance and that intelligence I thought I knew, and then God could enter. And as long as I'm staying in the in the negative states, as long as I'm saying I'm staying in the fact that something I'm doing is okay, and I am just getting worse and worse down, I'm just going down the spiral. Nothing will happen. But when I let go of all that, all that, and say I am going to take direction, I am going to do what you tell me to do, and let go of my ideas, attitudes, and emotions, then guess what? God could come in. God can come in, restore me to sanity. But all I got to do is say, I don't know. God, um, help me. My higher power has something in store for me, and I'm just going to trust. You know, my life, 
was nothing. I was full of depression. I hated, I hated everyone and everything about me. My reasoning led me here, and I had no way. I had there was, you know, I did not wake up saying that I wanted to be on these lines every single morning um, for an hour at a time. But you know what? It works. Something is working. Life is much better today because I let go of my old ideas and trust and have this faith that it could get better if only I followed directions. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Hoodie. Thanks for getting us started. Okay, we're going to transition to sharing now. And just to let you know uh, where we're at, uh, Hoodie read from page 54, the second paragraph, um, Imagine Life Without Faith. If you haven't shared in the past uh, day or so, who would like to share on what was read? Harlan Tina S. Harlan Tina. Donna T. I think I heard Donna, but I'm going to put Donna. I'm not sure. I heard you, Amy. Anybody else? Kathy G. Hey, Kathy. Gotcha. Maybe one more. All right. Well, here's who I have. I have Harlan, Tina. I think I heard a Donna. That was a little bit jumbled. I'm not sure if I got that right. Amy and Kathy. So let's, all right, let's get it started with Harlan. Good morning, Harlan. Good morning, Larry. Thank you for your service and thank you to Team Friday for making this magnificent meeting possible. Imagine life without faith. I don't care what stage of life I was in. I believed in different things. I might have been angry at God. I might have been angry at the world. I might have been angry at myself. But there was always faith within me that money would fix my problems. Being thin would fix my problems. Girls would fix my Whatever that may have been, I always came back to this. But for right now, pizza is going to fix my problem. And when I get done with this pizza, then I'm going to stay on my diet. That was always in my head. I want to go back to page 11 in Bill's story, and I want to bottom line this faith idea. And we're talking about Ebby Thatcher, who's a drunk, and he's talking to Bill Wilson, who's a drunk. But Ebby is sober, and Bill is still drinking. It says here on page 11, but my friend sat before me and he made the point-blank declaration that God had done for him what he could not do for himself. His human will had failed. Doctors had pronounced him incurable. Society was about to lock him up. Like myself, he had admitted complete defeat that he had in effect been raised from the dead, suddenly taken from the scrap heap to a level of life better than the best he had ever known. I sat in these rooms for many years angry at God. I sat in these rooms many years, many years agnostic. I sat in these rooms for many years angry and full of self-pity. But I sat in these rooms for many years, and what did I see and what did I hear? I saw people that were afflicted with a fatal disease of compulsive overeating. The disease is permanent, progressive, and fatal. 
and because they were taking action after action after action. Some, all of them who took that action were not eating compulsively, and they were able to do so happily. So against my will, against my judgment, against my common sense, I, when backed into a corner, started taking these same actions, which I did not yet even believe in, yet which I did not yet even want to do, but I was cornered at last. And what happened to me was, as I started taking these actions, the willingness and the faith and the recovery flooded into me. And it has been over 20 years since I have eaten compulsively. And I have been emancipated happily. Happily. I am happy in my release. And I believe that there is a power greater than myself, which I choose to call God. If someone's an atheist or an agnostic, can they recover in this program? Absolutely. All they need do is be willing to believe that there is a power greater than themselves and begin and continue to take action after action in these steps. And recovery isn't possible. Recovery is guaranteed. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thanks, Harlan. Okay, we got Tina followed by Don, I believe. Hey, Tina, good morning. Good morning, Larry. Thanks so much for your service. Tina S., Recovered Compulsive Eater, Anorexic in Florida. Uh, great paragraph. Thanks for the shares. They were wonderful. You know, uh, when I first started reading the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, when we got to this paragraph, and mind you, this was just reading, it said, imagine life without faith. My first thought was, I live my life totally without faith. And then when I started studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, the paragraph before proved to me that I had had faith for sure. You know, I had had faith on other people, I had had faith on myself, and I knew that this world was somehow made, you know, but the bottom line is the faith that I had was not working for me. You know, I had depended too much on people, too much on my, on my own reasoning, which had failed me utterly. You know, I've been a compulsive eater since I can remember as a kid. You know, I have used all kinds of things to, to remedy that, you know, uh, booze, men, women, you know, shopping, sex, whatever. It never did, you know. And then I came into the rooms and I saw in the, the people in whom the problem had been solved through this thing that they called uh, the 12 steps, you know, recovery, a transformation of a psychic change, a spiritual experience, a spiritual awakening, and, you know, and, and I was, I was interested. Let me just tell you, I was interested because they were living a life one day at a time and they seemed to be happy, joyous and free. And that is what I had wanted, you know, and on page 130, I'm not sure if that's the exact page, but it says, we are sure God wants you to be happy, joyous and free. And that kept me coming back. Let me just tell you, because I was not happy, joyous and free. And today, one day at a time, some days are better than others. I am more often happy, joyous, and free because I work the 12 steps on a daily basis. 
You know, I don't, it's not a one and done. I wanted it to be a one and done. It is not. But I, too, have a faith today in a power greater than myself, whom I choose to call God. And I was an agnostic when I got here. And today, I believe in that power. And, you know, I believe that he can do for me what I cannot do for myself. And I also believe that he wants me to do what I can do for myself. So I do the footwork. I leave the results up to a power greater than myself. And one day at a time, I am living happy, joyous, and free. With that, I pass. Thanks, Tina. Thanks, Tina. Okay, we have, I think it's Donna, if I heard that right, followed by Amy. Donna, did I hear you? Yeah. Oh, you know what, Donna? I got, hey, Donna, I got to stop you for a second, because at least on my phone, you're coming through really, really uh, jumbled there. So we can barely. I'll pass. I'll pass. Oh, I'm sorry, Donna. That's all right. That's okay. That's to me. All right. Thanks, Donna. All right, Amy. Good morning, Baltimore. Hey, Larry, can you hear me okay? I can. Hi, Amy. Awesome. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for your all service and for an awesome meeting. Um, we're nothing left but reason. It wouldn't be life. You know, to me, there's that saying in the program, beaten into a state of reasonableness. I don't think necessarily that reason is a bad thing. I mean, I use my reason and logic to walk into my first Overeaters Anonymous meeting because I needed help, and I used my logic and reason to do that. But, you know, as talked about in the prior paragraph, you know, we had been worshipers of many other things. I had been worshiper of many other things. And one of those things was my logic, my reason, and my ego, and myself, my self-centeredness, my selfishness. I thought that I had to control the world and that it was all up to me. And I used my logic and reason to come into Overeaters Anonymous, but then I became to understand that logic and reason and knowledge was not going to be enough. That it was a great, it was a good power, but it was not a higher power. I needed something different. Reason was not going to be enough to fight the mental obsession. That to me was the key in understanding. Then when it came to the mental obsession of my disease of compulsive overeating, my illness, my malady, that logic and reason was not going to cut it. Because I had no logic and reason when the drive, the obsession came upon me. Logic and reason meant nothing and had no power. And when I walked into my first Overeaters Anonymous meeting and I saw in your eyes a different kind of power, you had something that I wanted because you had peace and serenity in your eyes. You know, you were abstaining happily. You had some kind of faith. And they told me all I needed to do was to take action. I could let go of my agnosticism or I could, just, I could keep my agnosticism as long as I was willing to take action and do the next right thing as far as working the steps go. Step zero, put the food down, and then make a step towards that leap of faith, which was this is the program of recovery. If I want what you had, I had to take the action step to do it, and that my faith would then evolve. And it's silly to think that I didn't believe in many things. I did. I just had to understand and put reason in its proper perspective. I use reason every day, but I had to put it in its proper place because faith had to supersede that because I needed a higher power, a lack of power. That was our dilemma, and reason was not going to cut it. And like the saying, I can't imagine life just based on reason because of faith that I have today. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Amy. Hey, neighbor, Kathy, good morning. Hey, Larry. Good morning to you. Thanks for being here for us today. And good morning, everyone. It's Kathy G., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Illinois. And I am 
so filled with faith and joy today. And I am so grateful to be with you here today on my birthday. And I turned 59 years old today and I woke up and I thought, I have, so I'm starting my 60th year of my life today. And I thought I'm more excited and more faith filled and hope filled. And I feel more peace filled and balanced and clear than I ever have in my entire life. And what kind of a gift is that? And I thought, you know, when we read imagine life without faith, I can't today because the faithfulness of God and the faithfulness of this program has radically changed and impacted my life. And uh, it was in uh, 1990, November 17th, that I surrendered to bulimia and first got into OA. And I've been on this healing journey for almost 30 years. And I would not change a day of it. Because even in my weak moments and even in corrections that God has has had to make with me, his faithfulness is what shines through. And I had a struggle a couple of months ago, and I cried out to God because I knew that there was an area where I needed even, I just needed something else. And I turned into this line, and I heard a woman on the line. I only heard her that one day. And I knew that she was carrying something that I needed, and God made it very clear to me. And I called her. And she became uh, my new sponsor, and I've been led into another 12-step program helping me deal with my my time and vagueness in my life. And it's just been a massive gift. We talked this morning, and I thought, boy, I, I... I don't know. And you can hear, I could just weep with gratitude. And I just want to thank everybody on this line, this community, because I have faith in you. It's because of my faith in you, the program and God, that I have this life that I'm talking about today. So to the newcomer, I just want to say, oh my gosh, take advantage of what we have here. And just know that as Harlan always says, I think it's on page 88, where it says, you know, it works. It really does. So just keep going. But we're all grateful for you, Larry. Fridays with you are a great thing. So thanks, everybody. I pass. Have a great day. Happy 39th birthday, Kathy. Okay. Um, let's see. Who else would like to share on what was read? And we're on page 54, second paragraph. Imagine life without faith. I didn't get that. I'm sorry, guys. Susan H. Oh, Susan. Thanks, Susan. Chuck K. Hey, Chuck. Elaine B. Elaine. Anybody else? All right, I got Susan, Chuck, and Elaine. Leia. Well, Leia. Okay, Susan, Chuck, Elaine, and Leia. All right, we will. Let's get started with Susan, and then follow by Chuck. Good morning, Susan. And Terry, we'll throw you in there, Terry. Let's start with Susan. Okay. Good morning, Susan. 
Good morning. This is Susan H. I'm a, a recovered compulsive overeater in Ohio and very grateful. What I wrote by this uh, paragraph was way back when I was attending meetings and just kind of arguing with everything I read. And I wrote, I felt judged. I wrote it the first time I read it with my face-to-face group. And I thought, well, they don't like agnostics, so therefore, I don't really belong here. That was during the first year and half of that year and a half that I was, I was attending meetings because I could, I could hear them talking about food in a way that they knew what my crazy was about food. So I felt, I just felt I had to be here, but I was still angry and gaining weight and unable to grasp onto um, what the message was inside of, of this. Um, Extreme sensitiveness is what comes to mind, and they talk about that on 48 of the same chapter. I was handicapped by my obstinacy, sensitiveness, and unreasoning prejudice. I just, uh, I automatically assumed that any group I might associate myself with wouldn't like or accept me. My disease finally beat me to a state of reasonableness. Um... My life as a recovered compulsive overeater after opening just a little and accepting that I couldn't, that only a higher power could, whatever that higher power might be, and that I have no choice but to ask and let him, has made my life, uh, yeah, I certainly know about those worst days now so much better than the best days I had before. And uh, I'm very grateful for my journey. I'm grateful for everything I learn, and I learn every day. And I, and I hope that that continues. And I trust that it will continue because I have turned my life over. And uh, with that, I will thank everyone and pass. Thank you, Susan. Okay, we got Chuck followed by Elaine. What's up, Chuck? Hey, good morning, Larry. It's Chuck from Georgia. Can you hear me? You're coming through great, Chuck. Hey, uh, I was just thinking about how wonderful a gift faith is. Faith is such a wonderful gift. It is something that is there when reason either doesn't make sense or you, you just can't figure it out. Faith is there. And faith is a gift, and faith is also something I have to choose. I remember when I was first in program, I had a conception of God. I later learned that it did not work for me, and I had the ability to choose what that conception was. But to do that, I had to trust. I had to trust that my sponsor and the people in the rooms and the people about me were asking me to do things, take actions, that were good for me in the long run. problem was, I don't like doing what people tell me to do. I hate to do somebody tells me to do. I'll do something twice as hard just to do it my way rather than the easy way of doing it what somebody else doing what somebody had told me to do. That's how stubborn I can be. And so that faith had to come through trust, even when I didn't believe it. My reason didn't see it. I couldn't figure it out. I didn't understand it. But I was I, I had no choice at the time because it was either that or go eat a truckload of Twinkies. 
And I didn't want to do that anymore. I didn't want that life anymore. And then as the faith grew, and I'm a, I'm a spiritual guy. I go to church. I got kids that we all go to church with my family and all. And, and so I knew God. And it brought me back to that question, and I've mentioned it before. Well, why didn't God help you? Well, the reason's kind of funny. God didn't help me because God loves me. God loves me enough to allow me to choose my direction. And that's a wonderful thing. And the other wonderful thing about God is, if I turn to God, he will flat drop everything and run to me. And that is so humbling for me, and I have experienced that. He will flat run to me if I just turn my head and say, hey, I need help. That's the way at least it feels like to me. Now, my conception of God has changed. I have a God that I can talk to, like I can turn in the seat of this truck and I can talk to God. And I had that to some degree before, and I think the real difference is programmers taught me the right questions to ask. Yeah, I want to lose weight. I want to have physical, physical recovery, and I do have that. But not so that I make things easy on my life. I don't have to eat right. I don't want to exercise. And, and those selfish reasons, which is what I asked for before program, but so that I can go out and be an attractant to somebody else and spread this, this wonderful, wonderful message of building someone's faith in God. And so that change happened through me. It happened through trust. did not happen through reason. Because as we all experience, our reason got us coming to these rooms, which turns out to be a wonderful thing. And thank you very much. I'm glad it's Friday. I hope everybody has a great day and a great weekend. Thank you, Chuck. Okay, we have Elaine followed by Leah. Elaine, good morning. Good morning, Larry Kay. How are you doing? This is um, Elaine. <laughs> great. Good to hear you. This is Elaine B. Recovered in Massachusetts, and uh, very grateful to be here. Um, so, imagine life without faith. You know what? My first thought about that line is I shudder because I don't want to imagine life without faith anymore. But you know, the thing is, is that where am I putting my faith? For me, my faith, even today, still wavers between my faith and self-reliance or my faith in my higher power. What is my choice to be day after day? What is my choice to be? And um, am I going to trust and rely on my finite wisdom, my little symbol full of intellect and understanding and experience and knowledge and, um, and you know, best thinking? You know, my best thinking got me into this mess. Um, my best thinking is where my Disease wants to be active, but my higher power wants something better for me. You know, every one of those little electrons whirling around, it has a purpose. Um, part of my meditation about my higher power that, you know, in the beginning when I first came in here, oh, it did, it felt like a flimsy read, but the book talks about it becoming the powerful, loving hand of God. And I encounter things over and over again where, again, it's like, it just feels like a flimsy read. So one of the things that I've been doing to sort of build my faith is just meditate, not just on little electrons moving around, um, you know, whirling into a destiny of nothingness. 
No, I, I'm, I'm looking at how can a butterfly know to fly from one part of the planet to another? How, how can those geese know just where to go? You know, how can those ducks, I, I mean, it, just nature is just such an incredible way for me to see that there's a loving, guiding power. Because a monarch butterfly does not have a GPS. You know, I can't even make it. Oh, my gosh, send me to Boston without a GPS? Forget it. I, I could never do it. Uh, so, um, I, so I want to be in this world doing what my creator created me to do and to be. And when I'm in my self-reliance, I can't do it. I want to wrestle my situations. I want to wrestle with food to make it, you know, uh, give me that purpose and that sense of all rightness. And, you know, that can never do that for me. That's an outside solution to an inside problem. So the more I can just step in, hang on to that flimsy read and, and, and trust, take my reason off of me, which, again, I do use reason every day as well, um, but there, there's a greater reason that I want to tap into, an ocean of reason and wisdom and power and love and mercy and kindness versus my thimbleful, and I pass with that. Thank you. Thank you, Elaine. Okay, we have Leah followed by Terry. Good morning, Brooklyn. Good morning, Larry. Thank you so much. It's so good to hear everyone, and it is so. I'm so grateful to be on this meeting today. Leah S. recovered and very grateful in Brooklyn. So, wow. Um uh, many things that I worshipped, and many things that I that I uh, didn't believe in. So um, you can see, I had a lot of negativity in me. I I didn't uh, really have too much hope in anything. And when you started to talk to me about God, I. I had so many expectations, I couldn't even start thinking about them. And so I couldn't go to that that side of the street because I was very uh, negative on that until I made, and I had to understand that this disease was killing me. And I had to come to the realization of becoming vulnerable. And vulnerability was something that I I was weary of, very much so, because it meant uh, opening yourself up and becoming honest and really seeing things in a different light. And, um, yeah, there were many things that I, as I trudged along in step four and in step nine, that I came to understand but I couldn't come to understand that, all that, without my vulnerability and my humility that something and someone is just out there and it is infinite. And for me, that is love, kindness, tolerance, and acceptance. Thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Leah. Okay, we have Terry, and then we'll open it up to more uh, shares. Terry, it's your turn. Good morning. Hi, this is Terry in Georgia. Can you hear me? Yeah, Terry, I can hear you great. Okay. Um, this is really my first share, and uh, I've only been on these calls for about a week and a half. 
Um, they've been really powerful. Uh, about, I think about a month ago, um, I had about 30 years of sobriety, and I've always struggled with food. Uh, thank God my higher power, you know, took the um, alcohol away, but the food was a different story. And I've always had faith. I've always had faith, um, even as a child. But I didn't know how to use the faith with food. And I thought, you know, certainly, like a lot of people have said, it's logical. I mean, I just don't eat this, or I just don't overeat this. or And, you know, I kind of had a, um, about three years ago, I had given up sugar. So thank God, you know. But I still wasn't getting getting it. And um, and God took away that craving for sugar because I guess that's what I asked for. And then there was one day I said, you know what, this this just I, I give up. You know, I'm I'm getting older. It doesn't matter anymore. So I picked up, you know, and started eating this ice cream and ended up in the hospital with appendix surgery. And after that, I was like, what the heck, you know? And I just kind of looked up and said, God, what is this? And I drove an hour and a half to get to a meeting because that was the closest one. And it's like a child, you know, going back to being a child. And it's starting to work. So I don't I don't get the faith thing. Um but I do. Um, it's just a day to day God, you know, okay, what do I gotta do next? So I'm sorry, I thought I'd be stronger on a phone. But these meetings have been powerful. I'll I'll end that. Thanks. Thanks, Terry. <clears throat> Appreciate your share. Okay, we have uh, time for more shares. Who else would like uh, like to share this morning? Nancy L. Linda D. Linda, someone W. Hi, Deb. Okay. Oh, Deb, 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 Deb. Okay. Yeah, got yeah, it. yeah. So I got Nancy, Linda, and Deb. Anybody else? Shannon from Shannon D. Hey, Shannon. All right, let's go with those four. Let's see where we're at after that. We'll start with Nancy, followed by Linda. Nancy, good morning. Good morning, Larry, and thank you for hosting. Thank you, Team Friday. This is Nancy L. Recovered in Arizona. Um, for for many years, I I believed this that faith is the evidence of things not seen. And um, so I, I thought I had faith because I believed in God and I couldn't see him. But, but <laughs> the big but, but when it came to my weight and my eating and my dieting, I had to see the numbers on the scale going down. And if they started to go down, then I was happy. And if they went up, I was miserable. And over five decades, they crept up um, until I was over 200 pounds at 
by four and absolutely hopeless. Um, so when I came into the rooms, you know, I I saw people that that were recovered, and um, little by little, I started to believe that 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 my higher power was, after all, interested in everything about me, especially the things that were uh, driving me to the point of utter despair. And uh, so I grabbed onto it, and I just started reading and acting as if, and little by little, I was able to release that food only by the power of God without crying over it. You know, I just... You know, I just said, okay, I'm just going to take this action that they tell me to take. And little by little, the, the things that were so enticing to me became nothing to me. I, I look at things now that I used to just crave, and there is no connection there anymore. But there is a much stronger connection with me and my higher power, whom I cannot see, but I believe in that power. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thanks, Nancy. Okay, we have Linda followed by Deb. Linda, good morning. Linda, hi, Larry. Good morning, everybody. Yeah, hi, honey. Uh, Linda D. from Connecticut. I am so touched by what I hear, and I know we don't cross-talk. Ha-ha. Okay, well, the thing is this. Um, it's not weak to cry on this line. I don't know where I heard that. But anyway, it's strength to recognize that it's all right to be vulnerable. It takes tremendous trust to just crash and burn in front of people. And that has saved my life. So I'm so happy to hear someone just do that and also give service that person did at the same time because I've... uh, had a tremendous change in my life since Monday of this week. And, oh, I should say I'm recovered since uh, December of um, five and three-quarters years ago. Um, And I've been in program like freaking forever, like 37 years. Um, And I was uh, definitely an atheist. There is no doubt about that. So um, the thing is this. Uh, I've had a tough uh, experience, and uh, I ended up saying, much as the other person said, what is this, God? I was just floored by it, and it shook my face, and quick as a bunny, I called my sponsor, and she was in the hospital. That was a good thing, not that she was in the hospital. I had to call God. Somewhere in there, I called God, and I started using the steps that I know will save my life because they will take me to a higher power that I unashamedly now call God. And uh might not be the God as you see it, but I certainly know we all see the same thing, different face or different word, but it's the same thing. And I'm being guided through something that is painful for me. And it's because I need to grow. And I need to recognize something. And that something is the same thing, whether it's a food, alcohol, jobs, money, whatever it is. I don't know how to live. I'm self-destructive. That's why I'm here, because I'm self-destructive. I'm recovering from that. And I do not know 
all the ins and outs of living, the infinite does. That's why they call God infinite. And I have to trust. I can choose not to and run and hide and die a very ugly death, or I can have this experience today. God will reveal more to me every day. It keeps unfolding, and it's beautiful and amazing. And sometimes the rough patches are that. They're rough. But I'm not alone, and I also have you. I pass. Thanks, Linda. All right, we'll go out to Oklahoma, then we'll then we'll go get back to Shannon. Hey, Deb, good morning. Hi, good morning, Larry. Deb W. recovered in Oklahoma, and uh, I just wanted to uh, to talk about that sharer that I heard, um, who uh, was a bit emotional, and all I heard in her was hope. You know, the, the, when I came into the program, the first meeting I went to. I before I even dealt with the food before there was a lot of conversation in those days we passed pictures around it It'd be a wonderful thing if we did that today and I'm sure some places still do of what it was like before and what it was like now and and I heard in that meeting my first experience was hope and 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 then it was in the meeting still there was a slight shift uh, in a different direction, so such a small shift that that in in thought, maybe maybe these people have something that I don't know about, and it didn't start with the food, you know, and it started with the the the, the emotional and the spiritual difference when I walked in that door, and then when I left that meeting only an hour or two hours later. Um, and, uh, yeah, I wake up in the morning. Even today, I've been in the program forever. I wake up in the morning, and probably one of my first thoughts is, how was my food yesterday? You know, it just automatically goes through my and, – and, and it feels good when I don't have to deal with it. You know, immediately I just shift to – um, all is well. You know, my worst day is better than my best day before program because this program is not about so much the food. Yes, it is, but, you know, it's about everything after. And then we find out what the everything after is after uh, as we're working the steps and we get to the fourth step. And then we find out what's eating us rather than what we're eating. And then we find out that we can let it go. And that's half of the battle. You know, it's not me that does any of it. It's the exposure to this program, the exposure to people who have found in this program that there is relief, the exposure to a higher power that I choose to call God, the exposure to the possibility that life doesn't have to look like it's been looking and I don't have to keep stuffing it down. Um, and so, you know, just I heard hope, and I think you're on the right path. I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Deb. Okay, Shannon, it's your turn. Good morning. Good morning. This is Shannon, from a compulsive eater from North Carolina. Um, that last share pretty much said everything I think I wanted to say, but I'll try to put it in my own words just to hear myself think today. Um, 
I'm grateful to be here. And when the reader was starting this meeting, I heard this paragraph like I'd never heard it before, um, especially the opening sentence, imagine life without faith. And in my book, I had that highlighted like an instruction. But um, today, I really heard that more like a, a warning. And it got me thinking about faith and my life without faith. And it made me remember that the first thing I really had faith in in this program was that if I got a food plan, it would help. And that was such a huge leap of faith. And it took me a really long time to figure out a food plan and settle in on a food plan. But when these calm women were telling me what they ate every day for breakfast and lunch and dinner and what they've been doing for years, I had to have faith that that was true, first of all. I could hardly believe it. And I certainly couldn't really imagine it working for me because I had tried so many diets. And today, the the message of hope that I want to share or my experience is that having faith that it might be able to work one day at a time if I was willing to try it for 30 days, it's given me insight into myself, just like the last person shared. It's shown me when I could do it. It showed me when I couldn't do it. And it showed me where I needed God and you all to help me be honest and make shifts within myself so that, um, so that I could be free. And I loved what Harlan shared about, it doesn't just say that it's possible, it says that it's guaranteed, but the precursor is rigorous honesty. And without that food plan, I never would have tackled the kind of honesty that I've had to face in order to get abstinence. So anyway, I was nervous. I don't know if that made sense, but I appreciate the chance to share and everybody on the line. Thanks. Thanks, Shannon. Made a lot of sense to me. All right. Who wants two minutes? Two minutes, two minutes. Bueller? This is Penny C. I'll take a minute. Hey, Penny. No, you you take two. What's up, Boston? <laughs> Thank you. You know, um, when I read this paragraph, I think of, um, you know, faith is for me both a gift and a choice. It's about a choice, really. Um, a spiritual reader that I really read every day um, says that God took a big chance when he gave us human beings free will. And so, you know, I can choose whether I want to believe or not. If I don't want to believe, I could find a thousand reasons why I could uh, try to convince you that there is no God. But if I want to believe, um, there are a million reasons why I want, I can, you know, tell you that there is a God. And so what do I do? What does faith do? Faith not only says, yes, I have a God, but I trust that God. God, I'm yours and I trust you. It's a mantra that I call on many times a day and offer to other people because um, that's faith for me, is having a power greater than myself and trusting, trusting. Uh, sometimes it takes effort to trust, but um, I'm, I'm happy to do it. And, uh, you know, thank God for this program and uh, thank you for all the people who shared this morning. 
I love this chapter. I really, really like this chapter. It made me who I am today in my open-mindedness. And with that, I'm going to pass. Thanks. Thanks, Penny. All right. Thank you to everyone who has shared and joined us this morning. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. Let me give you the share ID for today, uh, September 13th for the 7 a.m. meeting. That share ID is 13,396-13396. Okay, we're going to close with a reading from the big book on page 164. We're going to follow that by the serenity prayer. Susan H., would you be kind enough to read that vision for you for us? Yes, I would. Thank you. Excuse me. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.